if you're like most people, you know someone who has lost his or her shirt in real estate. They were doing great, buying, selling, flipping, developing, making millions, and then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out of the market and they lost everything. Chapter six, I get up and nothing gets me down. Goals for chapter six, understand the nature of market cycles, have tools to identify where we are in the cycle. If you're like most people, you know someone who has lost his or her shirt in real estate. They were doing great, buying, selling, flipping, developing, making millions. And then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out of the market and they lost everything. Maybe your own house has lost value. So you know firsthand about the fickle market. The real estate market is cyclical. If it's going up, it's eventually going to come down. Whoever wishes to foresee the future must consult the past. Niccolo Machiavelli. Before I learned about real estate cycles, the idea of making money through real estate investing seemed like a special gift that some had and others didn't. When I tried my own hand at investing for the first time, the results were disastrous. The second and third properties purchased years later went really well. So I thought I had magically transformed during the interim. I became emboldened and purchased two more properties at what turned out to be close to the top of the market and was amazed when their value dropped after I fixed them up. Unlike my original belief, the ability to make money investing in real estate is not an innate talent that one is either born with or not. Anyone can learn to spot trends and to act in the most beneficial way for that moment in time. Furthermore, if you take the position of many investors and plan to hold your property for a number of years, you're virtually guaranteed to make a profit. Similarly, if you plan to buy, fix, and sell within a few months, the market cycle shouldn't change significantly during that time. Like with stocks, it's the untimely selling of real estate that creates actual loss. If the property loses value on paper, but you're still making a profit by renting it, is that really a problem? Available inventory. As we've learned, the price of real estate is driven by supply and demand. As such, understanding how much inventory is available is the key to discovering whether you're in an up or a down cycle, a buyer or a seller's market. Thanks to the internet, getting this information is easier than ever. The formula is the number of homes available divided by the number of homes sold in the past 30 days equals months of inventory. So for example, I wanna buy a home in Nashville, Tennessee. I go to a real estate website like Zillow and type in Nashville TN, click for sale and select houses in the home type dropdown. I get 782 results. I then unclick for sale, the for sale button, and I click recently sold. Under more, I select sold in the last 30 days. And Zillow returns 797 matches. I divide seven, the 782 properties that are on the market by the 797 properties that have sold in the last 30 days, and I get with 0.98. That means there is less than one month's worth of available inventory. In other words, if no one knew, put their house on the market in Nashville, at the rate of 797 sold per month, they'd run out of inventory There'd be no more houses to buy in less than one month. Nashville is a big city though, and not all areas in what Zillow categorizes as Nashville are necessarily in the same place in the cycle or equally desirable. 
when you find a neighborhood of interest, do a more detailed search or ask your real estate agent to give you values on comparable properties recently sold in the area, along with the data to get a view of the market cycle. Remember, our goal is to buy smart. In general, if there are six months or less of inventory, it's considered a seller's market. Usually six to nine months of inventory is considered neutral and more than nine months is considered a buyer's market. Even in a neutral market though, you can find people who cannot wait to sell their homes and would be willing to take a lower price. Cycles. We see that Nashville is a strong seller's market, but how is that helpful? We don't have anything to sell in Nashville. We're looking to buy. Should we do it? Or is the market tapped out? The quick answer is that there is always a deal to be had if you have the stamina to look for it. But what is the right deal for that moment in time? To, the, to answer that question, we have to know where we are in the cycle. With less than one month of inventory, we're most likely on an upward trajectory. But how near are we to the peak? Naturally, no one can predict that answer with 100% accuracy, but there are some data that we can use to make a guess. Cycles in real estate are usually pretty easy to see in retrospect. At the bottom of the curve, there are more homes than buyers and the prices are low. Builders stop building because the selling price won't cover their cost to build. Something happens to make people start buying Maybe interest rates go down or the government offers an incentive to first-time buyers or you just run out of inventory. However it happens, lots of new buyers empty, enter the market. The available inventory starts selling faster than it can be replaced. Because prices are still kind of low, new houses are slower to come on the market. Usually at this stage, you see builders renovating older homes, but not much new construction. The scarcity of inventory drives up the price of the remaining homes. Now that the prices are higher, builders and developers can afford to start new projects, but the development cycle takes time. There are lots of steps in that process. In the meantime, prices keep going up and up as buyers outbid each other for the few available homes. Little by little, new construction starts to enter the market. The media finally catches on and lets everyone know that it's a good time to sell. People who had been waiting for the peak decide to sell their homes. Eventually, things start to level off. There's more inventory and buyers can be more selective. They often have the option of new construction, making older homes less valuable. More new construction enters the market as larger projects are completed. A lot of the people who had wanted to buy have now found a place. There's less demand and more supply. People who really need to sell have to lower their prices. Because fewer homes are selling, the inventory backs up. It takes longer to sell a home and there are more months of inventory. At the worst times in early 2000, some markets had three or more years of inventory. So where the heck are we? What can we do to discover where we are in the market? The first thing to do is drive around the neighborhood. Do you see a lot of new construction? Are buildings being torn down to make way for larger buildings? Are neighborhoods that were considered not that great suddenly becoming trendy? These are all signs that we're approaching the top of the market. Rentals. One early predictor of the top is the rental market. Think about what happens in a hot market. Investors like us get excited. We buy whatever we can afford, often outbidding those looking to live in the home themselves. 
Gradually, a glut develops as properties that were owner-occupied become rental properties. At the same time, some people who would have rented are now becoming homeowners. Because of this phenomenon, the multifamily market often peaks before the single-family market. You would research this in the same way that you research the home market. Go to any real estate search website and see how many apartment buildings are on the market in your target city. Now, see how many have sold in the past 30 days. In our Nashville example, there are just over three months of inventory for apartment buildings and multifamily homes. This is still a seller's market, but it is slowing compared to the single family. From this data, I would guess that Nashville home prices will continue going up slightly for at least another one to two years before leveling off and heading down. It's okay to buy in Nashville with the intent of selling in the next two years. If you plan to buy and hold, research the available rentals in your target area to see where you are in the rental cycle. You may be able to start new construction in Nashville, but by the time everything is approved by the city, you run the risk of finishing the building just as the market is heading down. It's a gamble. You'd want to look carefully at your goals and explore the worst case scenario before heading down that road. Trends. Here we've discussed the single family and multifamily market trends, which you can test further by talking to property managers, real estate agents who specialize in rentals, and owners of rental property. Are they having trouble renting? Are rents going up, down, or staying flat? When they start going down, that's when you want to sell if it has been your intention. As of late 2018, Boston, Massachusetts has very little inventory for buyers, but there are lots of properties for rent. In Massachusetts, legislation has made it attractive for developers to build rental apartment buildings instead of homes to sell. Tenants can choose to live in a brand new condo quality building, making it tough for smaller investors with older apartments to compete. If you determine that it's not the best time to purchase buy and hold residential inventory in your target area, you could look into commercial or industrial property. If you can determine where the market is heading, you can time your investments more wisely. Legislative changes. One factor to watch is legislation. Previous administrations have passed laws to encourage home ownership. Things like tax rebates for first-time buyers and low or no down payments, looser credit, etc., have all been tried and all have affected the real estate market dramatically. When this book was written, Donald Trump was in office. It is not it was not currently known whether he would be friendly to real estate investors or not. His administration talks about eliminating some tax laws that are relied upon heavily by many investors. Keeping an eye on proposed legislation can help you avoid being unpleasantly surprised by a quicker than expected drop in the market. There are a lot of different market factors that could impact the Nashville predictions that we made earlier. There are no sure things in any type of investment. All we can do is study the past and do our homework on the present. Neighborhood Watch. Because every neighborhood is a little different, you need to be familiar with the area where you're thinking of investing. Drive around and note what you see. How does the look and feel of the neighborhood compare to the last time you drove or walked through? Are people planting gardens? Are the homes well-tended? Do you see peeling paint or weedy yards? What type of cars are parked on the street? Are people out and about walking around and interacting with each other? Or are the streets empty and houses locked up tight? Do you see any new developments or new construction? Keep note of the different neighborhoods that you visit. 
You're looking for areas where people care about their homes, where life is good and people are happy. Those tend to be areas where the economy is smiling on the neighborhood. And if you're not sure, get out and speak to the people you see. Ask them if they think the neighborhood is safe, if it's going up or down. If you're lucky enough to find a long-term resident, you may be able to get some great insight into the unique market in that area. Hit the streets. When you have a few areas in mind, it's time to hit the streets. Talk to residents, local realtors, city councilors, and the police. Ask them if your instincts about the neighborhood seem accurate. Listen to rumors and learn about proposed development that could help or hurt the area. Most cities and towns televise planning meetings on the local cable channel. Listen in and find out what changes are underway. Better yet, get involved. Volunteer to be on a committee or get yourself elected to the school board or city council. You'll not only have firsthand knowledge of changes, you could be the agent of change, proposing legislation that will increase home values. Schools. As we mentioned before, the quality of the school system has a tremendous impact on home prices. The school system in Brookline, Massachusetts has a very high rating. That is one factor that has caused its housing prices to rise out of sight. People move to Brookline from all over the world to get their kids into the school system. Where Brookline borders Boston, a house on the Brookline side of the line can be worth 40% more than an identical property on the Boston side. Look for towns that had schools with a low rating that are putting effort into improving the quality of education. If you can buy into an area that will appreciate because of the desirability of a new school system, you can often realize large gains. Making money in an upward market. In an upward market, even if you don't touch the house, it will usually appreciate. One strategy is just to buy and hold, making only inexpensive cosmetic improvements. This works especially well when you buy at the bottom of the market, just as it starts going up. At that point, your gain is maximized. The upward cycle can last years. During that time, you'll probably have the property rented, so there will be no cost to you and probably at least some profit. If you hold it for more than 12 months, your income tax burden should also be lower when you do so. Making money in a downward market. Just as the market forces are your ally in an upward market, they are your enemy when the market is trending downward. So what can you do to make money in real estate when the market's going down? If you already have a piece of property with a positive cash flow, hang on to it. Keep it in good repair to attract the best quality tenants and just wait for the market to improve. If you're just entering the real estate market, it's still possible to do so successfully. If you want to buy and hold, try to put higher down payments or pay cash. That way, if you do need to sell or refinance unexpectedly, you won't have negative equity. That also minimizes your monthly debt service, allowing for positive cash flow. Unlike an upward market where a new kitchen and bath are enough to ensure a profit, you have to be a bit more creative if you want to do a flip in a down market. What can you do to make money when the price of homes is falling? Look for opportunities to add to the living area, like a house where a large attic will allow you to put in a dormer and add a second floor, or add a basement suite as Jane did. In a down market, you can also make a profit by breaking up a space. For example, taking a large house and turning it into a two-family or two condos. This should allow you to rent or sell the property for more money. Keep in mind that you will still have the same tax burden whether the market is going up or down. So be sure to factor taxes into your budget 
before deciding whether or not a property is a good investment. Another strategy for a failing market can be a change of use. Sometimes a residential property can be converted for commercial use, or you can buy land that can be put to work. In general, it's always possible to make money, but in a down market, you have to be more creative and more careful. If you're buying a property to add some value, sell at a profit and move on, time is of the essence. If it takes too long for you to add value, the falling market may erode your profit margin. Remember, Tom said he doesn't buy a property to flip unless he believes he can have it fixed up and sold within six months. If your flip takes longer, the downward market could steal your profits. Location, location, and location. You've, you've probably heard people say that the three most important things about real estate are location, location, location. In my experience, this is absolutely accurate. I bought a three-bedroom home in New Hampshire for the same price that a client of mine paid for a garage parking spot in downtown Boston. There are pros and cons to this. If I hold the New Hampshire property, the monthly rent is much higher than what I could get for the Boston parking spot. When it comes time to sell, however, the New Hampshire house will be much more subject to market conditions. There's plenty of available land in this area for people to build new homes, but not so in Boston, where garage parking will probably always be at a premium. Also, the parking space doesn't require maintenance, utilities, etc. This is why we did goals early on. If I just want a sure place to park my money, maybe a garage space is the better choice for me. Demographics. Another factor to consider is demographics. Often, less expensive areas have challenges that more expensive areas don't have. I'm lucky that the New Hampshire property is in an area frequented by tourists because there is a wide economic gap in the area among full-time residents. Basically, you're either working for the ski lift or you own the mountain. Because my property is in the middle class range, if I weren't able to do short-term rentals to vacationers, I may have trouble finding a full-time tenant who could pay my target rent amount. Make sure that the area will support the plans you have for the property. It's possible to go into an area and sink a lot of money into expensive fixtures, granite countertops, and designer touches, only to find that you had already topped out the amount of rent the area would support. Check the available market inventory, visit apartments for rent in your area, and talk to other landlords, rental agents, and property managers to validate your strategy. Trends. Have you ever visited a neighborhood that you frequented as a child, only to find it had developed dramatically? The vacant lots were replaced by high-rises, and the house of pizza was now a trendy bistro, or that things had gone in the opposite direction. If you know, knew then what you know now, you may have been in a position to take some action. Now that you're older and wiser, you can try to spot these trends in time to capitalize on them. Pay attention to changes. View every home through your investor spyglass. You will start to spot trends and find some great opportunities. Many investors won't buy where there's a lot of graffiti, trash, or vehicles in yards or on streets waiting to be repaired, weedy yards, and several houses in need of painting or maintenance. In general, you want to see evidence that the community cares about the area and you want your tenants to feel comfortable walking around after dark. Getting information. In addition to your instincts and the neighbors, you can get demographics and trends from federal census data, local tax assessments, and the local newspapers. Search engines are great resources, as are community social media pages and local area websites. Visit the area at night and see if there's anything would make a tenant feel unsafe. 
Chapter 6 Action Items Choose a couple of areas near enough for you to visit several times within a few weeks. Use the tools above to figure out where we are in the market cycle. Speak to a couple of real estate agents who work in those areas and ask for their ideas on the current market cycle. Make sure you understand why they believe as they do. Figure out who is right. Keep asking questions and gathering data until you are convinced you have a good idea of the position of each area in the market cycle.